The Knowledge Panel, Episode 6. How to hit the SEO ground running in 2021. Hi, I'm your host David Bain, replacing Dixon on a temporary basis after he's had a bit of an accident. But Dixon, you're actually still hovering in the background. How are you doing, sir? I'm here. I, I'm not going to stay. Um, I'm drugged up on codeine and, uh, and paracetamol and stuff. Uh, if, you, if you read my personal blog, I fell off my bicycle and it's, uh, it's six weeks holed up in, uh, in bed. Uh, so we decided that probably I, shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't, shouldn't be around too much. So I just wanted to come in and say hi and thank you very much for, for, for watching and show people I'm still alive. But uh, I, you know, you've got a great team uh, around, so I think uh, probably best if you kick me off. I'm going to watch it with you guys for, for a change. So uh, Lovely. Well, thanks, thanks so much. much for coming on and saying uh, hello. You know, great to see you. And of course, um, if you haven't done so already, tweet Dixon and um, say get well soon. Hopefully he'll be up and running oh, and, uh, bless. hosting the, the next episode. Thanks, Dixon. Okay. Um, so the Knowledge Panel Show is brought to you by Inlinks, the entity-based SEO platform that helps you helps you to rank higher and stay ranked longer thanks to its advanced content optimization tools. Try Inlinks for free over at inlinks.net. I've got three great guests um, joining me today. So if you're watching us live, please make sure that you interact a little bit in the comments. I'll try and incorporate some of your comments um, within our conversation today. Um, if I can do, we're streaming live on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter as well. And the replay is going out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, many places online. But let's not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about our first, first guest. Our first guest is an SEO nerd and a Packer fan. She's the head of SEO at Two Octobers. Welcome, Nikki Mosier. Thank you. Good to have you on, Nikki. Uh, next up is a lady who slings SEO advice around the world and writes for burritos. <laughs> She's the assistant editor at Search Engine Journal and the head of content and SEO at Leadfeeder. Welcome, Anna Crow. Thanks. And finally, it's the man who's as nearly as famous as his hat. He's been in the SEO game for the last 15 years and he's still going strong. The founder of SEO London, Lucas Selesny. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey, Lucas. Well, today we're going to be discussing how to hit the SEO, go, uh, SEO ground running in 2021. Uh, I'm going to be asking each of the guests for their top three actionable SEO tips for hitting the ground running in 2021. So we're going to start off with number three and we're going to work our way up or down. I'm not sure which one it is, but we're going to work our way towards number one and leave you all with those number one actionable tips for the coming year. So let's start off with Nikki. Nikki, what is your number three SEO tip to hit the ground running in 2021? That's a great question. I think my number three tip would probably be just to remain flexible um, going into a new year where there's still definitely a lot of unknowns as far as when things are going to fully open back up and when businesses, especially uh, brick and mortar businesses or businesses with a local presence will see things start to resume to some sort of normalcy. I think just staying flexible in your planning and in your strategy could definitely go a long way and save you a lot of trouble in the long run. I guess the challenge is to actually determine when that level of normalcy is actually going to occur um, based upon the third peak it seems to be um that we're going through at the moment um how does a business plan for something that they don't know the actual date that it's going to occur 
That's a great question. I think just having kind of taking being able trying to take things kind of day by day and having systems in place that allow for flexibility and using tools that allow you to kind of manage things in bulk if you need to and get things done kind of on the fly, I think can be can be really helpful. Great. Yeah. So so be ready to go in essence for when everything hopefully turns back to what has been normal or what has been previous. You know, it's a, it's a challenging time at the moment, but you're only going to be ready to go if you actually plan for it. So uh, great tip number three there. And uh, let's go over to Anna now. Anna, what is your number three tip? Yeah. So similar to what Nikki said, um, what we're working on specifically at Leadfeeder is we're running a content audit and revamping our keyword research and how we map that. Instead of mapping it how we were doing it before with buckets and things like that, we're matching it to search intent. So we're going through and we're categorizing, you know, our blog posts based on informational pieces and then revamping that content to match that kind of uh, infrastructure that we want to match. So little things like making sure we're embedding YouTube videos in our blog posts, um, uh, pushing more images into our blog posts, making sure those images are maybe a little bit higher up in the page things like that. Um, Also, we're trying to flip content upside down because we've seen uh, changes to featured snippets come through this year. We saw the passage indexing that just came out. Um, So we're really trying to write our content so that we're answering the subject content up in the, before you hit the scroll. So above the fold type of pieces. Uh, We're also looking to create content that's a little bit more interactive. You know, we saw uh, Google was testing interactive search results this year. So that could be a key indicator of what we're going to see in 2021. Uh, So we just want to make sure we're jumping ahead of that, getting ahead of the game and making sure our content kind of matches the quality rater guidelines. We saw a lot of updates to that this year, too. So if you're not familiar with the quality rater guidelines, it's 175 pages of SEO gold. I suggest you read it and read it again and again and again until you familiarize yourself with it. <laughs> so you started off there, um, Anna, by talking about embedding YouTube video. Is there ever a place for just optimizing on YouTube or is it always important to embed on your site and trying to drive people back to your own domain? That's a great question. So um, we do both. So, uh, you know, ever since Google bought YouTube years ago, um, we've really kind of ramped up our YouTube SEO, Um, the way we put titles, the way we're uploading thumbnails, the way we actually even write uh, the copy. We actually treat each YouTube description as its own blog content. So we write a custom unique piece of content for that YouTube. And then our goal is to build links and embed more YouTube videos to that video to help build the backlinks for those videos. So it's almost like our YouTube channel is its own website and we try to treat it that way. But then we like to make sure that we're embed- each one of those YouTube videos are at least embedded on one page of our website to try to connect the dots. Great. Okay. And just one little follow-up there on uh, video SEO and YouTube SEO. Um, Nikki published a great um, uh, video recently um, talking about um, SEO for podcast transcripts. Um, What are your thoughts in general for how good Google is at the moment to um, to actually determine the content within the the video itself in terms of auto-generating the transcripts and perhaps using that within its ranking algorithm? That's a great question. So um, I actually never use Google's automated transcripts. I actually go in and upload our own transcript. Um, I found we've kind of done a little bit of A-B testing, which Nikki, I'm sure you have insights on this too. Um, 
But we found that when we actually uploaded our own transcript versus using Google's, we actually saw, you know, better performance of those pieces. Um, but I highly recommend the transcript. That's actually the number one piece of the puzzle I use whenever we're doing YouTube SEO is if we don't have the transcript, that's the first thing we need to get going. Yeah, and I love the idea of optimizing the transcript as well. Um, Nikki was talking about in- incorporating things like um, uh, featured uh, snippets within, um, sorry, schema um, w- within um, the, the the transcript itself, and it's great to to help search engines really understand what the the transcript is about. I talked to someone previously about incorporating things like heading tags within transcripts as well to help to break it up and um, really make it look as if it is a separate article as well. So um, great advice there, uh, Lucas. Um, let's not uh, leave you in silence anymore sir um what is your number three tip um to hit the um seo ground running in 2021 um so i am a big fan of observing what's going on in the world first uh, before we'll start writing about this uh 2020 was one of this really uh, groundbreaking year because covid coronavirus no matter how we are tired of this uh in january uh, it was something really, really fresh. And you know the story behind Wordometer, a website which been doing a couple of thousand dollars per month from advertising, uh, somehow done some, something really, really good. And they, I feel uh, I was reading somewhere that they started earning about a couple of millions because of advertising, because of the fact that they've been able to answer the new questions that never been uh, answered before like how many cases per countries and they were putting lots of work into this uh, and and constantly updating and they started ranking very very high so their traffic skyrocketed also you know the the, the keyword coronavirus and covid i think there was uh, in uh, in january or february 2020 about million or 2 million searches in uk and the month before there was almost zero searches no one ever was thinking about something like covid or coronavirus why i'm saying about this it is because there are tools which are giving you these early signals that something is getting on something is starting to be super super popular um, that people are searching and it, it is like globally like I gave an example about uh, COVID but also locally uh, that apply to each industry in gaming for example uh, this cyberpunk game will be a very popular thing and if you can jump into this bandwagon um, looking through the trends and it can be even as simple as Google Trend but also Basumo is a very good tool uh, that can tell you a little more about what people are recently started writing especially big publishers in links have this module built in SEMrush also have a seasonality of the keyword uh, search volume over uh, 12 months time uh, then then you can you can write a relevant content in the right moment and I know that there was couple, at least a couple of articles about this uh, showing that you know um, there are some topics that uh, coming every every year but some topics are completely new and they may uh, just just appear out of nowhere there is this funny uh, Google trend screenshot showing uh, when the Christmas songs uh, started picking up early October and there is always like okay so here we are again and there is another spike which is very short and then is flat yeah so overall my number three tip is to getting into the trend 
a lot of tips actually incorporated um, within what you were saying there. I think it's very important for people to be aware that um, their keywords, their target keywords change on a regular basis. And uh, keyword research is not something that's done once and then forgotten about, then just content or other things focus on after that. Um, as a general rule of thumb, how often should a business do keyword research, Lucas? Oh, well, I think... Uh uh, you should uh, define how often you will get valuable new set of data from the tools you will you will you are using. You know, I think there is nothing uh, more sensitive than Google Search Console. Even uh, you know, even if you can see that some keywords are starting getting a lots of impressions and not clicks, that means like you know that uh, that are keywords that uh, that people search, started searching. I have one website actually is in Polish language SEOWordpress.pl, and when I was analyzing uh, the the queries that are there, I noticed that there is a lot of queries which are extremely long, like twenty or 30 words and then when I took a closer look it is that that's our error messages that people are copying and pasting to the search engine and looking for an answer for that error message so I could start writing uh, answers for that error messages and because of the massive search volume and because of the fact that I haven't had before a relevant content so I was ranking somewhere low and now I have relevant content I can utilize this impression and make this impression actually partially a clicks yeah. so search That's console would be my my first choice great advice sir um, I love the um, the thought about um, trying to rank for error messages because um, that's definitely happened to me a few times recently where I've perhaps bought something, um, a new piece of technical equipment, I couldn't get it to work, there's, there's some kind of error that's come on and I've searched for that specific error so I can definitely relate with that and I'm sure mm -hmm. many people can. Uh, got a couple of um, great people watching live, um, good to see you Paul Lovell, um, great to listen to some great minds in the industry, thank you Paul and uh, a great comment from Amon Johns as well Amon was um, talking about um, YouTube optimization. Um, versus um, optimizing embeds and actually saying that embeds can help with ranking your YouTube videos as well by generating that link back to YouTube itself as well. It's a great uh, point there from Amon. Let's move on to tip number two and back to Nikki. Nikki, what is your tip number two to hit the SEO ground running in 2021? Uh, my second tip would be to just to spend some time in the SERPs. SERPs are constantly changing um, how we see things show up on mobile versus desktop, um, different SERP features appearing. Um, just spend some, don't, spend some time actually in the SERP. There's a lot of great tools out there that make our jobs easier um, and give us tons of great data, but actually just spending time in the SERP for different keywords um, on different devices to see what's happening, how things are showing up, um, and then use that data to figure out where you can make changes to come out ahead of your competitors, whether that's um, SERP features, uh, featured snippets, knowledge graphs, whatever whatever makes most, the most sense for a keyword, um, but actually see what's happening for those queries in, in the SERP itself. Superb stuff. Um, Keith Good saying Swift Recovery Dixon. Um, Amon John's um, sharing a great tip again. Um, one great way to work out any how any um, how often question um, because it's always case specific to your site, business, and market is to start with quarterly. In the second and third meeting, uh, if the second and third meeting overrun, you need more frequent reviews. Um, great tips from Amon. If you follow Amon on. Facebook, or if you don't, you certainly should do because um, the length of um, informative posts that you share is is, is really, really good. Um, so the SERP, follow the SERP um, there from Nikki. Um, let's move over to um, 
Anna, uh, for your second tip. Yeah, so um, at Leadfeeder, we've actually started to shift the focus of our customer support content. So um, we're looking at our help center. Previously, the help center sat with the customer support team. We're kind of transitioning that to be more on the content and SEO team, and that's for specific reasons. So um, branded content, that is going to be a big theme rolling into 2021. Um, and then we also saw Google roll out uh, more features for that people also ask, you know, the drop down that comes down in the SERP features. So similar to what Nikki and Lucas were talking about, you know, you need to follow what's going on with the SERPs, see what's changing, and then you can adapt your content to match that more. Um, we noticed that we started to see, you know, more featured snippets, things like that are that people also ask. But then we're also seeing an increase in AdWords. One thing we know from Google, Google is always going to invest in their investors. They want their investors to get click-through rate. So we're going to keep seeing Google ads roll out more into the cert features. So you need to combat that with your own branded content. And the Help Center is one way to help combat that. So we are completely reworking our Help Center and to tackle that branded piece. So in relation to what Nikki was saying, Keith Good's saying, here, here, uh, SERPs are the most underutilized tools in our industry. Anna, um, you talked about AdWords there as well. Obviously, we're primarily focusing in or on organic search um, for, for this particular show. However, um, do you think that every SEO needs to understand the basics of how AdWords works? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that has kind of been the last part of the piece of the puzzle in my own career over the last couple of years. I've started to dive into PPC a little bit more just because I think if you understand both sides of the game, your SEO will be better. Your organic traffic will be better. Um, it's just it's just good to be well-rounded. Good stuff. Good stuff. And um, brand you were talking about there as well as being um, much more important. Certainly that's been talked about over the last few years. And uh, I can certainly understand from a click-through uh, perspective and uh, presence um, it drives more authority obviously through the the SERP as well is it possible to measure the effectiveness of of, of doing those kind of activities in, in, in completeness or are there always going to be certain aspects of it that you can't really measure yeah so uh, similar to what Lucas was talking about um, I dive into Google search console I look at the impressions and the clicks that are coming from those pages um, my goal is to see the CTR improve for those branded searches so that's kind of how I start to the beginning part of measuring your content performance if you're going to tackle something like the help center great advice great way to measure that and get get, get a feeling for um, how things are improving is that something that you would actually share internally if you were working for a large organizations as a metric that people um, higher up within an organization may understand yeah absolutely so um, one of the big pieces of the puzzle that I had to figure out was I had to propose of transitioning the help center onto the content team so when it depending on if you're at an agency or an in-house like I'm in-house right now so um, it just depends depends on the structure of your team. Um, internally, our team likes to share the data like that across the board. So our, our founders and our C-suite level leaders understand the difference between CTR and things like that. So they like to see it. Um, you know, if I was at an in-house in an agency, sometimes my clients might not be able to understand it. So maybe they might not necessarily care about those metrics. They just want to see that you're increasing traffic. <laughs> Okay, so um, tip number two from Nikki was spending more time in the SERPs. Um, from Anna, it's more about focusing in on, on branded uh, content, probably within the, the, the SERP as well. And um, Lucas, um, what is your tip number two? I just wanted to kind of jump into the same Maria, and I just wanted to add only one thing, uh, which I am a big, big fan of, uh, is the schema markups. 
and I'm splitting them into two areas, the visual uh, schema markups and maybe more informative, less visual schema markups. And in the first group, you will have reviews, which are giving you stars or video embedding that we mentioned already. Uh, when you're embedding a video, you have ability to show this embed on the mobile device, which is also increasing your click-through rate. And, you know, recipes, events, that's are this um, schema markups that are helping to make the results more rich, especially FAQs. And then on the other hand, you have this uh, schema markups like Inlinks uh, is, is dealing with the same as uh, or, or local business or person and so on and so on. So that is giving Google a bit more context what is on the on the uh, on the page. And then obviously when you want to scale this up and go across uh, 10 or 100 or 1000 pages, you need to utilize some tools which will do lots of things for you, like matching words and terms and entities with uh, references from Wikidata or Wikipedia and so on and so on. But I can see that there is a really, really nice impact, which may be uh which may need a bit dive deeper in the data to understand this because this is not like a golden bullet uh, that you will implement this and next day you have uh, doubled traffic it's more about you know uh increasing the number of site links in the serps increasing the number of keywords that are appearing in featured snippets uh appearing in uh, people also asked and so on and so on so yeah, I think this before me there was like great advices. Uh, so I just wanted to add this one, which is a schema markups. I, I guess the challenge with schemas is that um, because you don't necessarily see an immediate uplift, um, then you don't necessarily prioritize the, the implementation of, of schemas. Um, so there are maybe many large organizations out there that still aren't really actively using schemas on their, on their website. Um, how would you go about advising them um, about uh, how important it is to do this? And what would be the important initial steps to take? Yeah, I think uh, the, what you said, it makes perfect uh, perfect uh, sense and it's very real that the big organization always uh, struggle maybe even more than the small organizations because uh, the process is much longer. I would start from FAQs. If they have any questions-based uh, pages, then you can easily show them how much more space in the SERP they can uh, take for, for themselves. And uh, then you can see, you know, Price comparison website. What can be more? It's almost like a national sport in UK, you know, aside of the looking at the properties. Yeah, so that's are two things which are really UK uh, focus. And when you're looking on what's going on in the price comparison market, type credit cards or or something like that, you will see that lots of these big players are using schema markups just to secure more. They obviously answering the questions as well that people may have uh, about credit cards, but. Primarily, they are doing this for the sake of securing more, be more visible. Uh, events, that, that's another schema markup. And then going deeper into that, you can go into this more informa information uh, giving uh, schema markups, like I mentioned, uh, the, the same as. Do Google trust web pages more if they have schemas on them? Well, I have mixed feeling because I'm afraid that the problem we are facing in the nearest future is overusing this. And it already happened, you know, like people were using 
even schema markup to show coupon codes, which Google had to write a special article about this, that this is a wrong way of using this feature. The same was with the reviews when people, some organization were using a review star without referring to this reputable source uh, of a data. So for example, FIFU or Trustpilot is saying like, I am rated 4.9 of 5 according to Trustpilot or according to FIFU. And people are like, just according to what we think about ourselves, you know, uh, and then rolling this out across the whole website, all the pages. So, you know, that are the things that uh, Google is trying to prevent. But obviously, you know, um, I think uh, there is a risk of abuse, of, like everything in SEO, uh, of abuse, this kind of uh, things. But I think majority of the businesses are doing this great. And uh, there will be more and more businesses that will be implementing this nice way. Great stuff. Okay, well, let's move on to tip number one and go back to Nikki. And Nikki, what is your number one actionable SEO tip for 2021? Um, so my number one tip would definitely be to kind of get yourself ready for the Core Web Vitals update um, that's coming out uh, early in the spring of 2021. Um, and kind of hand in hand with that is also to pay attention to accessibility and UX as those both are seem to be definitely factors of uh, core web vitals and not only page speed but also just accessibility and then what that means um, as far as user experience okay so that's um something that's going to be coming in may 2021 i think uh, for anyone that hasn't heard of that can you explain a little bit more about it yeah so it's some some kind of more concrete definition google's given us around page speed and how that impacts things like user experience and accessibility um cumulative layout shift first input delay and I don't know, I'm blanking on the third one. Um, but there's a lot of great resources out there about Core Web Vitals, a lot of tools like um, Sitebulb and Screaming Frog have already integrated them into their into their crawlers. So um, just kind of paying attention to what that means. It's quite interesting that sometimes Google has form for telling you things in advance that, that are <laughs> going to happen. And uh, I'm not sure if that means they're very important or they're just trying doubly hard to actually get people to do it. Yeah, I, th I think this one, I think it's kind of both one that they want people to really strive for, for meeting this just because they're such important things. Like we know that page speed is important. And I think because it's been such kind of a confusing area for so long, page speed, there's so many different factors that um, we've tried to like pay attention for and optimize for and figure out which is the most important that I'm hoping Google's trying to cut us a break on this one and actually give us these three kind of core metrics to pay attention to when it comes to something like page speed. Yes, uh, I mean, they're certainly trying to improve things for user experience as well as getting websites, better websites to, to, to rank higher in their search results as well. Uh, Anna, what, what is your tip number one? Yeah, so I'm, I'm following the same path as Nikki. So we're actually preparing internally for the page experience update in May 21. I'm actually partnering with, we actually, we have a UX person on the team and a web developer on the team. So we're creating a massive plan this month of how we want, kind of want to tackle this to prepare a website for that rollout. The first piece of the puzzle that we're focusing on is L LCP. Um, just because that seems to hold the biggest weight from all the research that I've done. I think it's about 25% of it, um, which is a big piece of the puzzle. So we think if we can tackle that one first, we can start to clean up the little pieces a little bit faster. Um, or just so contentful paint. 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, there's actually um, Ignite Visibility actually did a great uh, piece on this that dives more into the detail of what um, the seed uh, core web vitals is. Um, but uh, internally with what we're doing, uh, we're focusing on the text, um, how we can get it to render faster, um, how we can get it to be fetched faster, um, making sure that our heading tags um, and larger elements are all clean on the page. Um, we're tweaking some design changes, making sure um, from a mobile perspective, not we're not really focused on desktop or what the website really looks like on desktop right now. We're just focused on mobile um, because this will only affect mobile. Um, and then we're just cleaning up our JavaScript and CSS to help with the load time. So those are kind of the big pieces of the puzzle that we're tackling. So for the load time, do you know what kind of speed of internet connection Google is using at the moment? I don't. Does anyone else know? <laughs> Like, I like throwing in these random questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one that caught everyone out. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. It's just, a, it's just no, something that springs, spr <laughs> springs to mind because um, um, it's, um, it's all well and good, obviously, to say, you know, if your web page loads in two and a half seconds, but um, if that's based upon a, a 50 megabit per second connection or, or, or less or, or higher, obviously, that makes a big difference as well. Um, but... Um, Amazing that you're focusing in on similar kinds of um, of tips there. Um, what about in terms of what people are doing at the moment, um, by and large, and what they need to improve? What are some of the biggest um, mistakes, I guess, that people are making with their current sites that you think that people absolutely have to improve um, to ensure that they don't fall foul of, of this update in 2021? Yeah, I think it's mostly page speed for, for us anyway. That's kind of like the biggest piece that we're trying to fix. So making sure you're compressing images, you know, follow the basics when it comes to page speed. Um, and then also, you know, just making sure your mobile design is clean and interactive. The longer you can get people to spend on your page, the better. Um, oh, and, and then, I'm sure it's page speed oh. on a mobile device you're talking about as well. Yes, exactly. And um, the one thing I've noticed too, that I've talked to a couple other SEOs about is when you're looking at your core web vitals, if you're looking at Lighthouse, Lighthouse tends to bucket the problems uh, based on the problem. But if you're looking at Google Search Console, it'll bucket it based on the pages. Um, so I kind of lean towards the page side since I'm on content. So it just depends on if you're working with a developer or UX person, you might want to pick which one you choose based on your priorities. Great. Okay. Um, lots of good tips coming in, in the comments there as well. Um, I'm John saying on speed, another tip um, I tell people is to stop using fancy tools alone to measure. Go where your smartphone reception is bad and try to load your site. This gives you an idea of how much of the world will um, experience your site like that. Lucas, yeah, let's so move I, on yeah. to you for tip number one, sir. I was thinking, should I should I cover something different or should I expand this? Because I knew that it was coming. It's a very, very big topic. What makes me also excited is like nobody is anymore talking about buy backlinks or like more backlinks. You will <laughs> higher. No, no. Uh, it's So I, I just wanted to mention one thing because there was, um, I think that was from Amon uh, about... Uh, uh, going to the bad reception. Actually, in the in the developer tools, there is an ability. You have an ability in Chrome to create your own profile, where you can throttle data and you can say that there is a maximum uh, transfer, uh, let's say 25 uh, kilobytes per second or 20 kilobytes per second and the, the JavaScript latency like 1000 milliseconds. And then you can also easily turn on, there are some functions that are showing you lines across the layout and how all the elements slowly loading 
and if there is any uh, cumulative layout shift, because this is what I'm right now uh, fo focusing on, or there is no cumulative layout shift. Uh, so, so of course, you can try to find a bad reception, which uh, would be probably easy in Dagnam, where I'm living. <laughs> but I am the guy who don't like to leave a house, so I prefer to throttle the page speed. And uh, and yeah, so so I I, I think there is the 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 page speed uh, maybe it's a bit scary tactic maybe it will not be as big as we are thinking it will be maybe it will not put upside down all the uh, all the serps but the fact that people are talking about this the fact that people are taking this very serious the fact that google uh, said about this way way in advance we still have five months to implement this it's a very great thing because that makes the whole internet uh, working smoother, faster, whoever wants to rank. And on the other hand, we have 5G, which is coming. And uh, despite from the all uh, conspiracy theories that we will be all like a puppets, then obviously we will have mobile devices and we will be able to surf faster. So all these things are in the line. So you will not harm your website if you will make this faster. However, very soon, maybe that page speed will not be that critical because of the 5G and so on and so on and so on. So I am left-handed, but if I could use my both hands, I would sign exactly the, everything what was said here about page speed. I just signing with my both hands. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So essentially we're, we're focusing in on the same areas as the number one tip there. Lucas, you talked a little bit about um, having a look for different areas within a web page that could be causing the issue with page speed. Um, are you seeing um, typical scenarios where there are, are, are certain types of codes that always tend to be the culprit, uh, certain types of scripts, maybe old ad scripts that um, perhaps aren't even used anymore. Um, what are the typical scripts that tend to slow down a web page? I don't know if uh, Nikki and Anna have the same experience, but I need to tell that the most often forgotten script on most of the website is Hotjar. It's a great tool. It's a great tool. But you're going into auditing a website and it's like, excuse me, um, are you using Hotjar? Oh, no, no, we're not. Uh, when did you? We just done a trial like three years ago. I was like, and then from three years, over three years, you're just loading every time the script. Nobody's using this, but you're, you're still loading. So, you know, like I have nothing against Hotjar. It's a great script, but very often people are using some scripts as uh, on a trial and then they forget about this and then you know that is slowing down in the principles all these elements that needs to be uh, in line about page speed like uh, Anna said like compressing images compressing js css making sure that website is gzip uh, lazy load images they are very simple, but in uh, practice, when you start diving deeper, it's like a mythical Pandora box. You're just opening a monster and you are starting scratching your head because, you know, uh, even like a, mm, JavaScript from Google Analytics may be problematic. Hello, hello, surprisingly, you know. And then, you know, if you have a WordPress, then you may uh, start using some solutions which are taking the script locally and so on and so on and so on. There are also Cloudflare. Cloudflare is my, like, life savior. These guys know really what they are doing, you know. Uh, Cloudflare as CDN. I'm using also Argo, 
uh, on SEO London, which means that no matter where you are based, uh, the connection is like the CDN uh, connection is uh, from very close server. And I am using this more just to have a very strong case for a bigger customer. I don't have nowhere close that much traffic. Um, but Argo is one of these few elements that uh, really helps to increase uh, page speed. And that are these nuances that you're falling into uh, or like throttling uh, JavaScript um, and throttling the load time just to see more. Because, you know, Website may go like very fast, but then you're realizing, well, actually, yes, this is uh, going from cash. I have also another uh, really, really big advice. If you have a WordPress website, WordPress-based website, I've been testing plenty of solutions over the last few years. And WP Rocket is right now one of the best uh, results because it's pre-caching everything and you can see that these URLs that you cached versus URLs which you made up so put some random random query string after a normal URL it will load but the load time is completely different so you know we could have potentially a episode 6a or 6b only about this very interesting topic but super important Absolutely. Um, so that's us covered the top three tips from uh, each of our panelists today. Um, I'm going to ask everyone just to share in a second one other tip that almost made the list but didn't quite make the list to see if we can bring in something a little bit different. But for the top three tips, we got um, Nikki at number three, um, getting ready for the new normal. Um, so obviously we're in a challenging time at the moment with coronavirus, but um, the new normal is going to happen or back to normal is going to happen at some some point rather. Um, so whenever that is ready, make sure you've planned and you're ready to launch when that actually hits. Um, Anna talked about video um, using featured snippets as well, but um, talking about having video embedded within your own website as well as on YouTube. And um, Amon talked about the fact that actually embedding video on your site can help to optimize the video on YouTube. Um, Lucas talked about ranking for new questions. Remember with um, what's been happening over the last year, there are lots of new questions. He gave the idea as well is that um, if pe people have technical challenges, sometimes they have long questions that relate to uh, the error message that you commonly get with a piece of technology. So if you can answer those questions, then that will give you perhaps a, a great new source of traffic. Number two tips, uh, with Nikki uh, talking about spending more time in the SERPs, and are talking about branded content, and Lucas talking about um, schemas and FEQs, and the opportunity to actually uh, include schemas within your FEQs. Um, and then we had everyone talking about the Core Web Vitals update for their tip number one, essentially. Get ready for that. It's coming next year, and uh, web speed is going to be a massive part of it. Um, so what are the things that nearly made that list? So Nikki, starting off with you, what is essentially number four? I think along with being staying flexible, uh, paying attention to Google Trends data, I think that can be one underutilized tool, uh, but especially um, now and just always, it's a really great source to uh, see what's trending, what people are searching for in your industry, um, and then using that data in your, in your advice. And, um, Anna, what is your tip number four? Uh, backlinks. So I didn't really mention a whole ton of those, um, but it's interesting. So we've heard a, a lot of theories around the EAT, you know, expertise, authoritativeness, um, trustworthiness, sorry, I almost blanked on the T. Um, but the A part of EAT, authoritativeness, um, that can relate to backlinks. So, you know, the quality of, of websites that are backlinking to you, it's not really necessarily about quantity. It's about the quality of those. Um, so you still want to 
be creating content that naturally generates quality backlinks. It's not necessarily about an outreach campaign or, you know, a PBN network or anything like that. It's about creating content that naturally generates these. Um, and we're starting to see that could potentially be a big hit in 2021 because we saw Matt Cutts say how, you know, again, we heard guest blog posts aren't the backlink thing anymore. Um, and then we also saw with um, the December 3rd update, um, the PBN networks got hit pretty hard with those too. Um, so, and we also haven't had a penguin update in a couple of years. So just always keep backlinks in the back of your mind. So links aren't quite dead yet in 2021, maybe 2022. We'll, we'll see what One happens. One day they will be. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, what is your tip that didn't quite make the list? Um, I just wanted to mention very briefly AI, which I was always like against. And I was always thinking that AI is like kind of a buzzword until I become a late adopter and I started to understanding the power of AI in a specific situations. So we were talking about trans transcribing YouTube and I'm using Sonics, sonics.ai, which is able to trans transcribe not only for um, English, but also for other languages. Uh, as, as you know, David, uh, because we know for many years, I'm bilingual. I speak Polish and English. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, English is a different thing because it's a very popular language. So we can expect that um, tools are very, very well uh, designed. Uh, and then uh, Polish language uh, is a bit different story, but actually Sonics uh, can transcribe really, really accurately. So you have sometimes uh, uh, sometimes some nuances, um, but you know, fixing them uh, is uh, taking maybe 10% of time and cost than asking someone to transcribe this. And the second example I wanted to give is the DeepL translator, which is much uh, one of the best ever I was using uh, in the history uh, to translate a website uh, into other languages. And there is, uh, for example, a plugin which is called uh, Translate Press, which you can install on your WordPress and then through the API create a, um, a translated versions of desired pages. Then again, fix the errors and, uh, you know, and uh, and it's... Um, and it's uh, uh, it, it works. I have a couple of cases that uh, customers started getting conversions from China or from Japan or from uh, from Russia because there is only a number of languages, uh, uh, including Polish. And lots of my friends, like from Netherlands or from Russia or from uh, Germany, said like. Well, it's not perfect, but it's not far away from perfection. There are some couple of nuances that needs to be changed, couple of things that needs to be tweaked, but it's not like uh, completely, completely off. You could even read this and you would get, uh, generally, it, it in some cases doesn't sound like it's automatic translation. Obviously, this little human touch needs to be done. So AI, wherever you can, um, you know, there is also Lovo, which is... Uh, um, the uh, voiceover and this voiceover sounds almost almost like a human and mm. i've been so nerdy and so geeky about this voiceover that i contacted these guys so generally this is ai that learn to speak like the, like potential like person and they yeah. uh, told me that they will be able to digitalize my voice so right now the voiceover is talking like me and the, the worst thing is that the voiceover have better accent, English accent than I have. And, you know, they gave me like a 
30 minutes of text I had to read. And then the voiceover was learning for uh, two weeks to, to talk like me. And now I can take my article and pretend that I read them when in fact that was AI that read them. It's, it's getting better and better. Uh, I've used Rev um, quite a bit in the past to transcribe and they're, they're, they're fairly decent, but they're not perfect. And then they involve um, human humans as part of it as well. I've also used a service called HappyScribe and they're completely automated and they're in- incredible. And another service that's incredible is Descript uh, as well. Um, they also have that, um, that, that voice that you're talking Talking about Lucas, and um, you, you can actually create uh, an artificial version of your own voice um, as, as well, I believe, in there as well. So, almost scary stuff coming down the line. But um, because Ammon Johns is, um, is starting to jibe and saying any AI needs to be tested and how it transcribes a Scottish accent, I think um, that's uh, a sign to say that we're just about to finish this particular episode. I think we just need to thank everyone um, for being a great panelist as part of the show. Uh, Dixon's saying in the comments that as well. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for watching live and being a part of it. Uh, Nikki, um, can you remind the viewer um, where they can get hold of you? What's the best website and best social handle for them to say hello? Yeah, you can contact me through uh, our website, talktobers.com, or you can find me on Twitter, and I'm at Nickers85. Nikki, thank you so much for being part of it. And, Thanks um, so much Anna, for having me. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, Anna, what's the best website and social handle for you? Yeah, so you can uh, stalk me on leadfeeder.com or searchenginejournal.com. And uh, you can say hi to me on Twitter at Annalie Crow. Wonderful. Thanks again. And Lucas, um, last but not least, of course, what's the best website and uh, social handle for you? So as you can see here, seo.london is like here, but whoever doesn't... Not, uh, not for audio listeners, yeah, but yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> seo.london, nothing after that, not seo.london.com, nothing, seo.london, or on LinkedIn, if you type Lukasz Zelezny, not Zelensky, not Zeleny, every time you spell my surname wrong, a little fairy is dying, Zelezny, <laughs> and that's where you can find me, on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, Andy Beard saying... Uh, some of the best English in the world is spoken in Scotland. There we go. Uh, we'll go with that, Andy. Thank you very much. Um, just two other things. Um, I, I want to say get well soon, Dixon. Um, rest up. Um, hopefully you'll be good to go for the next episode. Uh, it was great to see you interacting in the comments there as well. I'll just say, of course, um, I've been your host, David Bain. Uh, you can find me producing podcasts for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. Finally, I just want to say, however you're spending your time this year, Hopefully you have an opportunity to have um, a decent Christmas. It's been a challenging year. It'll probably be a challenging Christmas for many. Try and have a decent time. And uh, here's hoping 2021 will be one to look forward to. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.